0: And if you can get your bibles out and uh turn to uh, keep it open at, at psalm fifty one that would be great and we we'll 're continuing our series on life through the psalms and I know that i 'm sinful and i'm pretty sure that you are as well and so that's um, the topic today let 's pray Lord we pray that once again that you will remind us through your spirit of the sins that we have committed of the um, heart uh, that, that is prone to wander. And, and, and we do pray that once again you will renew not only um, our sense of guilt but also sense of grace, um, the thing that you have done to deliver us out of guilt, that we may open our mouths and proclaim your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but in 1986 movie Mission... Uh, Rodrigo Mendoza is a slave trader and a mercenary, played by Robert De Niro. And in the beginning of the movie, what he does is he ends up killing his brother, Felipe, because he finds his brother cheating with his fiance. But... Quickly, remorse um, uh, descends on his life, and he goes into a self-imposed exile. He locks himself up in a room, and he refuses to eat anything or talk to anyone. And in this situation, a Jesuit priest, uh, Father Gabriel, comes to him, but he's inconsolable. Uh, This is a conversation between them. Mendoza says, there's nothing else. Gabriel says, there is life. There's no life. There is a way out, Mendoza. For me, there is no redemption. God gave us the burden of freedom, and you chose your crime. Do you have the courage to choose your penance? Do you dare that? There is no penance that's hard for me, hard enough for me. But do you dare to try? Do I dare? And in the next scene, Mendoza is seen following Father Gabriel, into a mission to South American jungle. He's chosen his penance. He chooses to carry this huge weight behind him through the rivers, craggy rocks, and even cliffs. He's chosen to carry this thing all the way to uh, the, the mission. It's not the burden of only killing of his brother that he's carrying. The, the thing is, he's going to the mission to Guaranis, um, whom he used to capture as slaves to sell. He knows what he has done, and he knows where he's going. And he's chosen, he feels that he has to carry this burden all around him. And this depiction is fictional, but the message isn't. This is a reality for everybody, isn't it? People carry the burden of their sins all around their life. If we don't, and that's only because we've forgotten our sins. And the theme of guilt and redemption is in this movie, but it's all around us in literature and TV, movies, um, just anything from even Spider-Man. Spider-Man who goes and does his thing out of a sense of guilt and responsibility that that, that, that he, he failed to do in saving his uncle. Or I don't know if you've seen the movie Shutter Island. It's a movie about how guilt drives a man crazy. Um uh, uh, the apostle saving private ryan a uh, crime and punishment macbeth it goes all the way back sin and guilt are part of the world in our psyche it's part of our life as well and what when it comes to sin what i'm told is that um the devil has two lies this is the first one uh, well, I'm, and i'm going to add one more lie to talk from this psalm. the first lie happens before the sin takes place it's the, in the whispering of, it's okay, it's okay to sin, it doesn't matter. It was there at the Garden of Eden, when the snake whispered, it's okay, you will be like God, the consequences, well, it's, it'll be inconsequential, it's there, to, it's there with us today, and there's a great capacity in us to deceive ourselves, to think, actually, it's okay to sin, that it's, it, 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 it won't be that bad. And many of us, including myself, and then have become experts in deceiving ourselves. For Mendoza, it was an anger. Out of sense of justice, he says, it's okay to kill my brother. For Bernie Madoff, remember the guy who ran this uh, Ponzi scheme, it was the idea that he says in an interview that he wasn't stealing from the poor. He was stealing from the rich. It justified his crime. And who knows what was in the mind of James Holmes, um, the man who killed many people in Colorado this past, uh, this past week. We tell ourselves that it's okay, that everybody's doing it, no one will know, that it's sent out of sense of justice. And ultimately, that, it's, that it'll be inconsequential. But it's a great lie, Satan tells, because as soon as we sin, the remorse and the guilt comes upon us as well because god has created with a conscience and of course and there are psychopaths who don't have this conscience and who don't feel and there are uh, many of us who are so we're so uh, callous to our sin that we don't feel the sense of guilt anymore but for most of us sin will fester inside and it will rot inside and it will give us the sense of guilt sin sense of filth that comes over our conscience. And I'm sure you've all felt like David, who prayed in the first two verses, blot out my sins, my transgressions, wash away my sins, cleanse me from my iniqu- uh, uh, wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sins. And these words have been echoed throughout um, the history in your life, in my life, in everybody's, in, in, uh, in everybody's life, in Shakespeare's Macbeth. Uh, Macbeth kills uh, um, uh, King Duncan and he looks at his hands and he cries. I'm not very good at uh, reading Shakespeare, so I'll have to look at this. Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hands? No, this my hand will rather multitudinous seas incarnadine making the green one red. What he says is he, he thinks that all the oceans water will not be enough to wash his hands clean. That when he dips his hand into the green waters, it will actually turn the, water, uh, t- turn the water red. And doesn't that sound like David? Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. And you can't run away from our guilt either because it is in our minds and our hearts to live with it is to live with sin in us, with the past that really cannot be undone. And that's what David says as well, that he can't escape from his transgressions in verse 3. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. I used to think it was only the Christian that felt like this because we're aware of god's presence but this isn't the case and i was so surprised to find um in reading this book it's a, a religion for atheists it's a book by alan uh, alan de button and he's got a chapter on community and when he talks about the community he says that we have to confess we need a time to confess this is what he says about sin when we are or, or guilt When we are the ones who have caused someone else's pain and yet fail to offer apology, it was because acting badly made us feel intolerably guilty. We can be so sorry that we find ourselves incapable of saying sorry. Intolerable, so sorry, and when he talks about uh, later, uncomfortable, unmanageable intensity is how he describes a guilty conscience. And he says, actually, very interestingly, he says that there should be a Day of Atonement for atheists as well, for the secular society. It says, that he proposes this as a solution, so cathartic is the Day of Atonement, it seems a pity that there should be only one a year a secular world could without fear of excess adopt its own version of it to make it uh, to, to 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 start every quarter he thinks that so cathartic is this this confession that there should be at least four in a year even for the secular society so this idea it's okay to sin is a lie sin always always looks more attractive before you sin rather than after because we are created in God's image. It will make us feel filthy. And in the end, it's not, how, it's not just how it makes us feel that's important. It's what it does to our relationship with God. David says in verse 4 that he has sinned against God and God only, him only. He says that he deserves God's judgment and punishment when we sin against God's creation, whether it's the environment or animals or people, we sin against God. And I, I thought maybe this minimizes people and the, the, the world that we sin against. But that's not what David is saying. David is saying that actually when we sin against other people, that is sinning against God, God's creation. This is ultimately we're sinning against God. It maximizes our responsibility toward the world and towards other people. We sin against God. And so often when we sin, we feel beyond redemption, beyond forgiveness. And that is the second lie of the devil, isn't it? So the first lie was, it's okay to sin. It'll be of no consequence. So that comes before. But right after you sin, he whispers another lie. He says, you cannot be forgiven. It's Mendoza saying, I'm beyond redemption. Perhaps it's because the sin is just too big. The sin that we have committed is too big. Or perhaps it's just because the sin has been in our life and we just can't seem to escape it. Either way, Satan tries to convince us that we cannot be forgiven. But there are those who try to make it up, make up for the sins that we've committed. Arthur, let me try to... there's There's another movie... I'm not sure why. It's a very um, movie-heavy sermon today. If you haven't seen the movie Apostle, I recommend it um, to you. It's a great movie. In this movie, Sonny Dewey is a preacher who lives in this cozy town in Texas. Once again, until he finds his wife... Um, cheating on him. And so he takes a bat when he finds out. He takes the bat and he hits the guy and kills the man and he then escapes. He goes into, once again, self imposed exile. But the next scene that we see is him baptizing himself in a river. He emerges and then he calls himself the apostle. And he goes around. Uh, preaching the gospel for the rest of uh, the the movie, what he see, what we see him doing is uh, paying his penance. He's trying to pay pay back for uh, the 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 sin that he has committed. As he sees, he he preaches grace, but really he's 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 trying to earn his salvation. And he constantly needs assurance of salvation. And as he preaches this message of grace, you can see that he's trying to preach it to himself. In the end, he looks, uh, at the end of the movie, the police surrounds the church where he's preaching and he shouts, that he's going to heaven. He's going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. And as he cries, we can see the, 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 the insecurity that he's not uh, assured of his salvation at all. Throughout his life, he has to convince himself um, that he is saved by preaching to others. Because we never feel good enough. We can never pay back for the crime that we've committed. And paying, trying to pay back, you know, um, is, it will never have assurance of salvation at all. And I think many of us know this because there is a niggling sense in our, at the back of our minds, even as we try our best, that, that, um, the problem isn't actually what we've done. The problem isn't what we've done, but it goes much deeper. We can't seem to escape it because it's not, it's not in the realm of what we've done, what we've done, but it's in the realm of what we are, who we are. Because who we are have been tainted by sin. When David says, blot out my transgressions, well, that is a, a, a writing metaphor, isn't it? He's saying that, take this out of the script of my life. Blot out my transgressions. But actually, what he goes on to say, cleanse me and wash me. And what he's saying there is that it's not just the things that he he has done that needs to be washed away. It's himself. There's something in him, who he is, is that's wrong. He says, wash me. And he spells out what he means in verse 5. He says, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. God has taught us, he says, his desires, even from the womb. He has taught us what he wants from us. But we have always been sinful, and we can't escape the sin in us. At the root of his life is a sinful being. And sins, the sins that he commits, is just a symptom of who he is. So he cries out in in the climax in verse 10. For a much more radical solution to problem of his sin, he says in verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And only God can do that. That uh, Create is a word I, I know that you know in, in, in Genesis 1 and 2. It's, it's a word that's only used for God. It's the same word in Hebrew, the bara, the, the create. It's, it, only God can create this heart, the new heart. Only God can give him a new spirit. Only uh, the, the only thing that we can do is bring our broken spirits and contrite heart, as he says in verse 17. But only God can do that radical, um, as we say, heart surgery. And only God can renew and strengthen our spirits. And he he cries for it three times. Renew a steadfast spirit within me, verse 10. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me, Uh, verse 11. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me, in verse 12. A spirit that will give him the power to do the right things the willing spirit, a steadfast spirit that's always, that, that, that always um, looks to God, the Holy Spirit that enables us, enables him to follow, uh, fo- follow God. Well, you can't, be, you can't be forgiven. It is a half-fly, isn't it? There isn't anything that we can do. We can do. There isn't anything that we can do ourselves that, that will bring us into forgiveness. But it's not true then that we will have to carry the burden of sin all of our lives because God can do this. God can put away our sin and give us a new heart and renew our spirit with his spirit so we can follow him. And the third and final lie that Satan tells um, is that that the ministry is only for saints. And when I say ministry, I'm not talking about being a pastor or a missionary Um, I'm talking about all of you and the mission that you have, the ministry that you have. After all, um, ministry to your workplace, wherever you are, to your households and to your friends, I can't do that ministry. People here in this church, uh, I can't do that ministry for you. You are the ones that God has sent out into all over Hong Kong to do those ministries. You have a mission to your workplace. You have a mission to your family and friends. You are the ones who will have to do those ministries. But when you sin, Satan will whisper once again, because you have been bad, because you have been sinful, you're not qualified to carry out God's ministry that you have given you, that God has given you, that you can't shine out. But, once again, that is a half-lie. It's true that sin dis- disqualifies us from, from ministry. However, it's not... Um, uh, but it's true that God is also... That we're also forgiven sinners, That God has taken care of our sins and have made us saints. And you can see how David anticipates this forgiveness and the possibility of ministry as he knows the forgiveness God has given him. Uh, verse 12, he says, when he says, restore to me the joy of salvation, that joy will ring out as he's for, he knows that he's forgiven. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. That's ministry, isn't it? That the teaching and, and, and the, the transgressors turning back to come to knowing, uh, knowing God. Verse 13, save me from my blood guilt, O God, uh, who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your glory. And that is ministry. As we are keenly, we become keenly aware of our sin, but also the fact that we're also forgiven sinners, we sing joy, we declare God's praise. And this psalm was written by a sinner. David broke at least four out of ten commandments, at least, if you don't count the first, uh, first five that concerns God, first four that concerns God, at least four. David um, envies, he steals Bathsheba, he, murder, he commits adultery with Bathsheba, he murders U- Uriah. At least four. And David was perhaps uh, you know, the person that we look to because we know that he was an amazing person who longed after God to follow, but he was also a forgiven sinner. We know that he's a sinner who has, who, who has come to know God's grace. It's not just David. All, all throughout the Bible, Peter, who denied Jesus three times, Paul calls himself the worst of sinners at the end of his life. This is what he says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, uh, 15 and 16. For that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Paul's drive for ministry wasn't sin, like the apostle in that movie was. It wasn't trying to make up for his sin. It was grace. It was grace that propelled him to the ends of the earth earth, to proclaim God's glory because he knew his sin, but he also knew the forgiveness. People who have been rescued, who know their depravity of their hearts, sing louder. And that should be all of us. But if you know, if you've tried to forgive others, you know how costly that is because you know that someone always has to pay. For forgiveness The anger And and, and, and anger um, and the burden Don't magically go away Once you try to forgive someone I was talking to my mom um, this past week And my mom said Asked me Do I have to like the person that I've forgiven It's because She was telling me that every time She sees this guy She says that She just gets mad She gets angry you know, it's not that she has not chosen to forgive. She has forgiven, but every time she sees him, the, the, this, this sense, of, the sense of burden and, and justice um, that is rightfully um, hers comes. You see, that's what happens in forgiveness. It's your decision not to give that burden over to the other person when you forgive. It's saying that this sense of justice and righteous anger that should be yours, the burden that should be yours, I'm not going to take it uh, upon your I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to carry it myself. That's forgive. Somebody has to pay the price, and when we forgive, that's what we do. We carry that burden in us. And of course, That's very costly, and that's why forgiveness is so difficult, because we carry that burden, and that's a costly thing for God as well. There is a cost in God's forgiveness. In order to forgive, God has to shoulder that burden. That's a heavy burden, and David seems to be aware of the cost when he cries in verse, verse 17, "'Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. "'Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow.'" Hyssop is not a kind of soap. Hyssop is a kind of plant. Um, it's mentioned in Exodus chapter 12, verse 22. And, uh, that's the first reference to hyssop. And it's part of Moses' instruction to the Jews to save themselves, uh, uh, save the first, uh, firstborn um, as, uh, from the, the final plague in Egypt. Moses here asks the Israelites to slaughter the lamp. Then take this, uh, this bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood, and put it over the doorpost so that death might pass over the house and spare the firstborn. I think there is a picture of hyssop. Adrian, there is a, a picture of hyssop next? This is the hyssop plant. This is taken, dipped, Put over the doorpost. The lamb dies so that the firstborns could live. David knows this. Cleanse me with hyssop, he cried. And this is a terribly unjust prayer, isn't it? Forgive me for the things that I've done. Take this burden upon yourself, is what he's saying. And forgiveness is terribly unjust. But that's not what he's appealing to. David knows who he's praying to and what kind of God he is. He's appealing to God's mercy. And he said that in the very beginning, in verse 1 of this psalm, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, this covenant love, according to your great compassion. And that word for compassion here is used for mothers, uh, how a mother feels uh, towards a child. According to this great unfailing love and compassion, he's appealing to God's grace, God's compassion. And that's how we know that we're forgiven as well. This gracious God has sent his son. This lamb was slaughtered, and his blood has been sprinkled over us. And we have been made saints, we have been made without sin without blemish. And that is the grace that allows us to proclaim God's glory, God's praise. Throughout your life, you will continue to sin, and you will continue to be lied to. It's okay to sin. It's not true. Don't believe it. Please do not sin. It will, it will ruin you. It will fester in you. But when you sin, don't believe the lie, you can't be forgiven. It's true. There's nothing you can do, but God has done this for us. And this idea that ministry is only for the saints, well, that's half half lie once again. It's only for the saints, but God has made you saints in Christ. Don't believe them. At the end of uh, the movie Mission, what happens is um, he carries this Burden with him all the way to, the, the, to, to, to this mission, to the Guaranis. And the chief of the Guaranis recognizes Mendoza because he came to capture people and sell them as slaves. Chief recognizes him and he glares at him. And there's this intense moment in the movie where one of the, uh, of the Guaranis takes a knife and he raises it and he runs towards Mendoza. And you think that that is the end of Mendoza. But what he does is he takes that knife and cuts off the rope that, 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 that's tied to the burden. And he takes the burden, he rolls it down the cliff. And Mendoza breaks down in tears. He cries because the burden has been lifted. The justice that was, that was supposed to be done, there was forgiveness. Forgiveness. And for the rest of the movie, he spends the time in Guaranis and does mission there. And that's the picture of all of us. Our burden has been cut. Christ has done this. And that's why you can do ministry in your life to your friends and family in your workplaces. That is the mission that God has given to all of you. And I pray that as you open your mouths, that you will declare God's glory in wherever you go. Amen. We're, go- we're going to sing Amazing Grace. And uh, it's, the I think, the new version that has that line, uh, my, chain, uh, my chains are gone and I've been set free. And I hope that is something that you keenly realize, and let's praise God for the things that God has done for us.